electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Futures mildly positive as stocks search for some catalysts midweek here. You got China trade, election day results, and now some reports of strategic M&A getting more attention. Europe's responding to some decent Eurozone retail sales, even signs of stability in German factory orders. Tenure 1A2, Q3 productivity was no good. The first negative print in nearly four years. Our roadmap begins with the curse of the unicorn, shares of Uber under pressure again. It's post-IPO lockup set to expire. Plus, we've got that SoftBank disaster after the Vision Fund's nearly $9 billion WeWork debacle. CEO Masasun saying his investment judgment was poor. And HP shares rallying ahead of the bell reports that it's the target of a potential takeover effort by Xerox. We'll talk to David about that. Start, though, with Uber. Shares facing more pressure this morning after hitting that all-time low yesterday. Company reports another billion dollars in losses, as you know, and now the post-IPO lockup period is expiring, freeing up more than a billion shares for trade, although the take among some, Jim, is that the shares are so underwater, maybe the expire doesn't mean as much. Yeah, I don't buy that reasoning. I mean, I think that what matters on the conference call, uh, they committed to losing money. Uh, now, they committed to late, making money in 2021, but the patience level is lost here. Uh, I think that this is one of those stocks where you say, why do I need this? I can buy and I, I can name 10 other stocks. And the, the kinds of stocks that are going up are value stocks. This is the ultimate of what you're not supposed to buy right now because it, you're going to use a term that's not technical, but it's just not working. Uh, I find that I can't come up with a reason. I can't come up with a reason to own it. And that is, I mean, I, got, I can come up with a reason to buy Hasbro at 95 when they're offering 10 million shares. Not, well, not, you know, a little bit less than 10. I, well, I don't mention that because it's the other company that has this offering stock today. Look, if you, even if you love it, you've got to let it play out a couple of days. When Facebook's uh, lockup expired, you did get a bottom. So, but you had to wait. So if you really love this company, and a lot of people do, Wait a little. Let's see how many people do sell. Do not presume that they're going to sit on that stock and say, you know what, I'm waiting for a dividend. You're not going to get that. Do you feel as uncertain about at least the model as, as you are with Lyft? Or is this about No, because Lyft doesn't have the, the Uber Eats. Eats. I mean, Eats. It's know, all I, about Eats. I, I was going, trying to figure out, well, is this the time to pull the trigger on Yum? No, they got that problem. I mean, Wendy's looks like the number's better inspected, but I, I'm just waiting to hear about some problem with delivery. Uh, there isn't delivery is roiling everybody and people don't really know what the model is. Uh, DoorDash is a great disruptor. Uh, but there's no question that if these guys announce right now that they're going to leave Uber Eats and they've sold it to Grubhub, you had a twenty six dollar stock, maybe more. Uh, when public at forty five, some argue now the overhang on Eats is ten, maybe twelve dollars. You buy that? Yes. Something like that? Yes, because that industry is totally uh, not an industry. It's very rare that you ever see an industry that's really not an industry. I described an industry that's not an industry. That means whenever you pay $10 to get $8, 
I, that you can't. I mean, that's just a really bad lemonade thing. That's where you go to your mom and say, hey, listen, how much are the lemons? And she says eight cents. I said, OK, well, I'll, I'll charge five cents. I um I continue to come back to SoftBank, which I know we're going to talk oh, about. Maybe we should just start to talk about it we now. Should. Because I'm fascinated by the decision at SoftBank to fund one of its largest investors, competitors, with even more money. In other words, they're an enormous investor at SoftBank through the Vision Fund in both Uber and in Didi. Right. Didi right. competes with Uber. Yeah. It's one of the key reasons why in some yeah. of these foreign markets, Uber continues to have to be pressed to to perhaps spend more than they otherwise would. Same with Uber Eats, right? We've talked a lot about DoorDash. And this goes on. So you've got Masa sitting there funding dual companies, if not even more on occasion, that are competing with each other, using his money to do so, and, and, and not perhaps acting rationally as a result in terms of what the pricing really should be. How much did he make on, uh, on let's say, on some of these? There's... there's uh, Ten years ago, some of these investments were incredible, right? Well, he's had one incredible, incredible investment. Alibaba. Alibaba. Greatest investment of all time. How long can you live off Alibaba? Well, a long time. Really? Apparently. Even though you paid $45 for some WeWork? Uh, Yes, even though you paid a big number, and he is obviously uh, in the the, (laughs) the investor presentation that they've done. Um, He's made it clear he had... he faulted his own judgment. Was he humble enough this um, morning? In that it's, you know, I don't even know if it's a question of his, his humble. Massa has an approach, and his approach is, um, I know what the future's going to be. I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of people of late. I haven't spoken directly to Mr. Massa, but, you know, it's been a topic of, of interest, let's call it broadly speaking, not just WeWork, but SoftBank and the Vision Fund. I know what the future's going to be. I can't necessarily say how quickly. And I love, fa- I love uh, founders. I love guys who have vision, and I'm behind them 100% no matter what. Now, in the case of Adam Newman, he may have made some missteps in terms of uh, some of the decision-making there. But that's Massa. That's the way he goes. Now, he did invest in NVIDIA. Yes. And Arm yeah. Holdings, obviously, they own. Invested NVIDIA, got out. That was more of almost a trade. But that was terrific. And it was. And, and it, bet, was. it was a great leader. Um, the Wong. investment in Sprint is still a significant one. Right. They are obviously trying to get out in, by owning a, a part of the combination that is yet to come between T-Mobile and Sprint. If, in fact, uh, the states are successful, as it doesn't appear likely, but certainly is possible, in, in trying to defeat that deal, that will also raise questions about SoftBank. It's not in the vision fund, but that's SoftBank itself. I think what you said, I mean, when you go over the, the Uber conference call, China's a bit of an issue for them because of the, the company that SoftBank's funding. It's, but it's Latin America, too, isn't it, Jeff? Yeah. I think These are all the challenge markets. Yeah. I mean, what do you do if you've got bets on both of them? That's like betting, going to, you know what that is? It's going to the roulette wheel and putting red on, put money on red and black. And I'll tell you what comes up when you get red and black. If you read, I don't know if you read Dostoevsky. Double zero. Oh, well, first quarterly loss in uh, 14 years, obviously. And uh, Masa-san did talk about this uh, yesterday at a news conference. So this time earnings results announcement is uh, not good at all. It's a big negative. And three months uh, quarter result with this uh, size of the negative is probably the first time after the foundation of the business. I want you to look at this picture. We are actually in the uh, rough sea. 
Of course, there have been reports in recent days that they're trying to rein in the freedom they give to founder-led companies. Right. Right. And, too and little, too late. What do you think? And perhaps change governance a, a bit earlier or a focus on that uh, sooner. There's no doubt, but there's going to be a lot more to come here uh, from both SoftBank and the Vision Fund as people sort of put a, a, a watch it more closely, I think, in terms of the investments, in terms of the performance of the investments. And, don't, and again, Sprint is important here as well. Uh, if, if unexpectedly, perhaps that deal should not uh, should not actually get to the finish line. Um, it's interesting. Moss is a fascinating guy. Obviously, I haven't spent time with him since March, but um, hoping perhaps we can again sort of talk about where his where his head's at. I, but it feels like this whole era has his has his fingerprints on it. The era of over of of creating your own valuation. You know, and and Vision Fund too. Will they really, can they get there? This idea that they were going to be loaning billions of dollars to their own employees to, to buy in. There's some fascinating things going on uh, at SoftBank. But you know what, guys? I'd love to get what? to another story this morning, if possible, because uh, we are going to significantly advance what was the Wall Street Journal breaking story this morning on Xerox and Hewlett Packard, or HP Inc. Okay, let's go there. Um, you know, because uh, the journal, again, had said that HP, uh, uh, Xerox was considering making an offer. Um, they've made the offer. Uh, in fact, we are in full-on bear hug mode here. Uh, Xerox is going to try to buy <laughs> HP Inc. Uh, the offer, I am told, uh, made, of course, as you'd expect, uh, a letter. I don't know the price other than it is, I am told, a real, quote, premium to HP Inc.'s stock price. Um, it is composed of cash and stock, the mix of which I'm not quite certain on, uh, perhaps somewhere in the 50-50, but it's not clear exactly but it is both cash and stock. They are talking about synergies of at least of at least $2 billion, perhaps approaching as much as $3 billion in synergies between these two companies. Um, and they maintain as well, from what I understand is uh, in the contents of the letter, that uh, they will be, upon completion of the deal, even with the addition of a lot of debt, obviously, to buy out the equity at HP for the cash portion, would be investment grade, the remaining company. Now, remember, it was just yesterday that Xerox announced the dissolution of their 52-year joint venture, or maybe even more, 57-year joint venture with Fujifilm. Uh, included in that is the payment of $2.3 billion to Xerox. That's going to come in handy. Uh, and, of course, there is no longer going to be this crown jewel lockup that basically gave Fujifilm a, a right of first refusal, the ability to say no to any potential deal. Because, guys, they've tried this in the past. John Vizentine, the company's CEO, who has presided over an 84% rise in Xerox's stock price over the last 12 months, he's explored this previously, or previous managements have explored it, Jim, because they know it makes sense from an industry perspective. Yeah. What HP's response is going to be, I don't know at this point. Um, but I can tell you Xerox is all guns blazing to get this deal done. We don't have the letter made public as yet. We'll see if any conversations ensue. Um, my understanding is they have not. This is re re quite recent, as you might imagine. But they are going after uh, HP. It's interesting. Yesterday he said to me, Mr. Vizentine, when I spoke to him on the phone, that we're going to go on the attack when I'd asked him 
with the idea of being perhaps that they'd be sellers. He said, okay. we're going to go on the attack. I got to tell you, I didn't know they were going to be attacking that hard that quick. Okay, Enrico Loris, he takes the job. Do we start next week? I mean, this is crazy. I was talking to Dion just the other day. Dion Weasel, the CEO. Emily, I'll give you the response. Their response is, are you out of your... No, the response is, ain't going to happen. You think that's what the response yeah, is? Yeah, the guy just started. Well, isn't, that a, isn't, like isn't that a perfect perfect opportunity to say, hey, we've got a management team that knows how to deliver on taking costs out of the business. But we he know there are going to be enormous synergies, and you're at a time of transition. Why not get he, together? He has so much work to do because of the problems that Dion, Dion did a great job. This is the split off of HP. A lot of people felt but, that Hewlett Packard Enterprises would be better than what Dion did. Dion's going 3D. Dion's going with remarkable oh, money. 3D is sort of having a rough go right now. It's not making like, the progress that they'd hoped for. Not yet, but the 3D product, which I've, had, I've seen work, is, 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 is exceptional. Uh, David, when I spoke to Loris, I mean, Loris has got a, a tremendous plan in order to bring out value. He's, he would be totally distracted by this. $8 billion versus $27 billion. I would not buy HP Inc. here, okay? Let me just tell you. I would not buy HP Inc. because, if anything, the numbers are too high. And, um, uh, and, and again, Loris, I want to stress, I don't know the price other than people well, telling me it is a real, read what you want but, into that premium, well, a significant I, premium. David, I'm bidding $23. It's real. I've spoken to bankers. I mean, uh, that's how fanciful I feel hey, listen, this is. Let's not forget that oh, there's plenty of financing out there potentially Loris, to pull something I mean, like this David, off, Jim. Wait, we, we slur, it's like Friday's like his last so day. I, I mean, just got the call. It's, it's up to their shareholders, all right? That's, I mean, they may fight, they may not. I don't know what their chosen position is going to be. I should add that I have not heard back from, from uh, HP Inc. Uh, management. But what does it have, uh, how, how much does it have to do with the fact that Loris just starts now? Maybe they're just saying, Well, it's hey. certainly part of it. But these two companies, have, I mean, HP has expressed interest in the past in this, in this potential deal years ago. But they were never able to get to the finish line because of the crown jewel lockup that was part of the Fujifilm joint venture. Well, okay, so you're saying they could get out of, well, there's a lot of businesses that you don't That's want to partner zero. You got a company with 2.3 billion in cash coming in, the ability to potentially finance it in very favorable capital markets, and a guy named Carl Icahn who's still got 30 billion dollars, and from what I understand, at least might have a willingness to put in more. Well, here. a guy named Enrico Loris is not going to do that. I totally understand, David. The shareholders, the shareholders, but it's not up to him. Not up to him. I, I think he plays up a role. to the board. I think he plays a role, and it's going to be up to their shareholders. And well, you think the share guys come do you think with the what, what the market believes but, is a credible bid. Now, you, that said, even though I'm reporting, we don't we haven't seen it on paper. I'd like to know what the price look, is. I'd like it, to know exactly what their math is behind why they believe they can stay investment grade. Right, right, okay, eight but, billion and twenty-seven billion. You're saying basically, listen, why don't you buy us? We're saying we're buy you. Why don't you All buy right, us? Does HP turn around and just say, fine, we'll buy you? I think HP turns around and says we're not interested. And then what? Then people who bought it at twenty-seven are idiots. Ill-advised. We'll see. We'll Ill-advised. David, I'm going... These guys are really aggressive I, on the Xerox side. Okay, they're very aggressive in not wanting HP to do this deal. HP, I don't know about the shareholders, but they shouldn't be that unhappy. Now, that last quarter was bad, okay? And no one expected Dion Weisler to resign. Now, Dion Weisler resigned for family health reasons. I have checked it out. They are family health reasons. Yep, that's this is not one of those where right. family health reasons uh, McDonald's, you know. Sorry, Steve, but I'm in my mind, like everybody else in the country. I do think that Enrique is very strong. They've given him a chance. There's a lot more reporting to be done here, but uh, my read is a bit different than yours. Well, I'm going to, I was going to go out there and see him in, I don't know, two weeks. 
They'll still be there. You have an well, you can still do that. It might not be at HP. If you have an opportunity in an industry like this where it's difficult to get growth and you can capture at least $2 billion in synergies, I mean, throw a multiple on that. Present value that for me. That's a big number. Okay, you're right. He's going to be thrilled to do that on his first day of his job. Why are you so focused on him? It's not Why his am company. I focused on him? Because he's it's a CEO. It's not his company. It's a little weird. It's a little weird, right? What, that I'm oh, focused yeah, the, on the, the CEO? The board, the board versus the, the first CEO. First day, I just I was talking to Dave. like, he's leaving to, tomorrow. Make that Friday. David, I know it's not up to him. I find CEOs often play a big role they in do, companies. Without a doubt. I'm not, I'm seeding that to point. Him. But it is not a democracy. It's great to watch this get resolved. Well, David, I've got to tell you, I don't want people to buy it right okay. now. Because the quarter was bad, and the printing printing business has to be rationalized. And um, you did great reporting, I'm just telling you. You know what? No, this is how it works. We love I, each other. I, I do it on my side. I mean, yeah. they, and I think it's so great. Thrilled. I think it's and great. He's so thrilled that he got the job. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell. Still a lot of news to get to this morning. Deal book is going on. Andrew has right now uh, Remedy of IBM, Gorski of J&J. Later on, Mullenberg of Boeing and the CEO of Uber. Uh, other news regarding upgrade to Lowe's. Uh, Elizabeth Warren responding to Jamie Dimon. A lot more when we come back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street on what we like to call Hump Day. Uh, let's talk a little CVS and the Mad Dash, reported earnings. Wait, I think this is a good contrast to what I'm sure you're going to be talking about, Walgreens. Okay, uh, CVS, a lot of people felt that this merger with Aetna was ill-advised. I think that Larry Merlot is demonstrating that this is precisely what you need because the front of the store for CVS was just so-so, actually a disappointment. But the combination with Aetna is starting to yield some terrific numbers, uh, unless you feel that we're going toward single-payer. This is going to prove to be one of the great, uh, one of the great deals. Now, David, the numbers they reported this morning overall were a big guide up, uh, but more importantly, there is a belief that he can do the seven dollars. Now, right here, there was a cast doubt that he could earn seven dollars. I guess it was Larry Miller. So it goes this time in the wilderness. Now we hear that it could make the seven dollars. So people are trying to figure out how much do you pay for seven dollars in earnings power. I think the answer could be if you have a clean story like this. You could put a 12 multiple on it. It's still not that high at a 12 multiple. The balance sheet's de- is, it, it, they're delivering. Right. Uh, Larry's done a remarkable job in a very challenging industry. So I think this can go higher, and it's still a buy. Yields almost 3%. The pharmacy benefit manager had, I think it was up 6%. That was a shocker. I'm big, glad big, you mentioned it. The script, the, they were uh, above estimates. No, I'm glad you mentioned that because that had been another area. I remember when I interviewed him at the beautiful CBS Midtown, I said, are we going to get another dis- yeah, This is all on, 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 on TV. Are we going to get another disappointment in pharmacy benefit manager? He said, no. And look at this. It didn't. Uh, this is a very clean story. Uh, it went from being a murky story here to being a clean non-retail story. It's the healthcare brick and mortar, and it's working, David, because it does not seem like uh, Amazon roadkill, as so many people were worried about. All right. My salute to Larry, who will be on tonight on oh, Mad Money, on and Mad Money. Take, I think he should take a victory lap. He won't. He's way too humble. 
But this is a remarkable healthcare company that also has a good brick and mortar presence. Not unlike what we forgot to talk about Kroger yesterday. Right. A food company that has a good brick and mortar presence. David, it could be the revenge of brick and mortar. It could be. Really? Really? Not in the mall. Could be. Hey, I was skeptical about your Xerox. Yeah, you a were. little skeptical about Skepticism my brick and mortar. Skepticism is good. Right. Yeah. As long as it's constructive. Exactly. We are all about constructive skepticism. And we will talk, by the way, speaking of that, we'll talk about the Walgreens report of a LPO. Good. You know that fellow who runs Walgreens. You, uh, you, have a call. you always have a call into him. Sometimes. All right. We got a lot more squawk in the street. We count you down to the opening bell. Stay right there. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. You're watching CNBC's uh, Squawk on the Street, live from the financial capital of the world, the opening bell in just over five minutes. Uh, Busy Wednesday morning, although, Jim, S&P didn't really go anywhere yesterday. Futures kind of mild today. Are we hitting some stall speed as we wait for clarity on trade? I think that we are because the stocks that have been bid up are are really companies that people just say, listen, this is the company that benefits the most. This company benefits the most. And the stocks that are being sold off are the companies that are are the ones you don't buy when we get away from the inverted yield curve, when you get longer rates going up. So there's a a company worth watching called HubSpot. I know people don't uh, know it, but it it is a company that had unbelievable numbers. Uh, For many, many years, the stock is up from 50 uh, uh, this week, two years ago, to 150. It was 200. Uh, People don't want these stocks anymore. This company is a profitable company. They do, yes, cloud-based marketing. Who doesn't? It's 100 times earnings. People don't want that. So uh, on the ones that have been bid up, we need something good on trade. And on the ones that are uh, very overvalued on earnings, people just don't want to touch them at all. Uh, we did get an upgrade of lows today. Credit Suisse goes to outperform uh, 129 target. They upped their target on Home Depot as well. This is uh, the third upgrade for Lowe's. Now, I happen to think Marvin Ellis is doing a remarkable job. He's the CEO of Lowe's. They had so much white space, so many things that could go right. 
when you, uh, you he cut out a lot of people. And more importantly, that place was like the least digitized retailer, uh, whereas Home Depot may have been the most because they were an early adopter. So I think Ellison, Ellison pretty much predicted that by Q4, things would be good. This little ahead. People want to get ahead of it. I think Lowe's is excellent. My Chapel Trust owns Home Depot. Literally, I would. it's six draft dozen right now. After Home Depot pulling way ahead, I want to, I, I think Ellison's worth betting on here. Uh, He's good. Uh, mortgage apps, purchase apps are down four out of five weeks, week on right. week. Uh, a lot of talk about, you know, mortgages can get cheaper, but the inventory of affordable homes has been slashed. I'm not going to say it's not a negative. I'm not going to say it's not an negative. I just think Lowe's is a self-help story. Lowe's was well well behind in terms of systems, in terms of management. The management of it is something that Ellison was not happy with. The execution. You hear a lot about execution. They did not execute well. I think that, and he, he, he promised that it wouldn't be last quarter or the quarter before. But he's getting his arms around the problems. I think you have Lowe's for long term with Ellison. I think Ellison's doing a great job. What did you make of Q3 productivity? Uh, as we said earlier, negative print, uh, first in four years. Unit labor costs 3.6 versus a prior 2.4. What are companies, I mean, this is a preliminary number. Hopefully it gets revised, but uh, labor costs are a five-year high on a 12-month rolling basis. Now. Look, I mean, someone is going to say that this is the beginning of the stagflation that they're worried about. I- I'm going to say this is an outlier. Outlier. Uh, we've had good productivity. I think productivity is going to stay strong. I, I continue to see that labor costs are under control, except for the there were areas of the country where things were very tight. And because manufacturing kind of petered out a little bit, the areas have some uh, it, there's no longer as tight. But I'm not going to I'm not going to try for with U.S. economy. It's strong. Uh, the consumer is strong. And uh, I know that those mortgage numbers weren't that great, but the, housing is doing well. Uh, just we just checked in with Zellman, who's I think the best at housing. Just stay long. Uh, so I'm not going to let one productivity number, one, one employment number, make me feel that things are bad here. The issue is uh, when you have Emerson stock climbing, 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 and Far starts the call by saying things aren't that good. How long can you continue to climb on a not that good? Well, maybe because D.E. Shaw says reinvent the company. They've re- 55% of the businesses are gone from when Far took over. But when you hear United Technologies are doing new things, Honeywell will get out of what doesn't work. Uh, Caterpillar, their dividend is sacrosanct in the buying back side. These stories all have good things. And what's really great about the industrials, there aren't that many of them. <laughs> there are, I count, 10 cloud-based marketing companies. Right. Do we need that? All trading it still incredibly uh, yeah. Do we need multiples. Zendesk and 5.9? Uh, Do we need uh, Zscaler and CrowdStrike and FireEye and CyberArk? So well, apparently CyberArk had a good like quarter. you're calling for potential consolidation of Oh, my. Do we ever need those, it? In those industries. We, I mean, I spoke to FireEye last night. No one's willing to consolidate. Right. That's why I know there are people right now telling me, Jim, we got to get the story straight Xerox. Look, Xerox wants to do a bit. I'm not. The story straight Xerox is they want to do a deal. The story straight HP is it, I don't know, like 48 hours? They didn't want to do it. I mean, there's no deal. Let's see. No, but the guys, the guys who own, look, the guys who are Xerox, what they're going to say is, Jim, don't you understand? I love, or you don't understand. That's my fate. You don't understand the synergy behind Occidental. You don't. You're dead wrong. As a matter of fact, you're an idiot. You think there's, no, I'm not an idiot. Actually, I'm smart. Look at Diamond. Look at Diamond. Look at Fang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fang. 
you. Sold to the gentleman in the back. Let's get the opening bell here, S&P 500 at the CNBC Real-Time Exchange. And the big board, Biomex, focused on therapies to destroy bacterial diseases, celebrating a merger with Chardon Healthcare Acquisition Corp. At the Nasdaq, fresh pet maker of pet food with natural that ingredients. That stuff's been incredible. Now, I, they wouldn't, I think that they, we had a bit of a conflict with them when my stepson made a sandwich in the middle of the night with the fresh pet because it was right next to the bologna. My bologna has a last name, which was Fresh Pet. And, and <laughs> holy cow, it was not. Yeah, it turned out to not be as tasty as it looked. It's not Boar's Head is what I'm saying to you. Okay. It's not even Thuman, the deli worst. It's entirely something that looks like food. Now, dogs are not as discriminating, or at least I don't tell you. My dog eats a banister, and he eats big pens. This stuff is much better than that. But this has had a remarkable rally. I thought it was a takeout at 16. But the humanization of pets has made Fresh Pet into something that even if though it doesn't taste good to humans, I think the dogs will eat it. Hey, David, Uber's down. What the hell's that about? I don't know, Jim. It's funny. I What's thought that? we mentioned the What's top that about? of the show. More, is, that, yeah. is that more uh, sellers and buyers? More, more stock coming out there. What do they got? 1.7. 1. How many shares? 1.7 it's like the con- it's like it's like Confederate dollars. <laughs> you haven't seen those? It's like they print them constantly. Zimbabwe, boom, boom, boom. Weimar, boom, boom, boom. Oh my God, Zimbabwe. Yeah, that's remember, Zimbabwe. Ten million percent inflation. Yeah. Uh, Jim, uh, we're getting a, it's a day where people are buying Kellogg, Hershey, and Merck. Right? Are we back to this? Well, yesterday they were selling Kellogg, Hershey. Mer- yep. I mean Merck. You know, here's something that's incredible. Merck has the, maybe the greatest drug of all time. Keytruda. Now, Mr. Frazier is not a hype artist, so let me do some hyping. This Keytruda is a life-saving drug. The company, Merck, St. Merck, as we used to call it, sells it 16 times earnings. That's value. That is value. Um, well, you mentioned CVS during the match. Oh, dash. now you're going Walgreens? You're going that segue? Trade, trading it 12 times. Now I'm going Walgreens. You don't segue. understand. You like that when people tell you you don't understand? Um, I listen to what they have to say. That's different. I, I don't particularly like that approach. I don't either. And I wouldn't advise that approach with my friend, Mr. Kramer. No. But as it uh, comes to Walgreens, guys, the stock not doing much. It was yesterday that uh, Bloomberg reported this idea that they might try and explore a go private. LBO. Yeah, it's Man, great. The math's tough on that. I mean, you got a $55 billion market cap. you got to throw a decent premium on top of that. Yes, Stefano Piscina owns what? Uh, $8 billion in equity. I mean, he owns a lot, but you right. roll in. But you're still talking about a deal in which you're going to have to have, oh, quite a few private equity firms that would have to participate, given the equity check David, it's, beyond it's not, the $8 billion. It's that not cyclical. It's secular decline. Look and, at Rite Aid. And do you really want to add more debt? And to, to, to your point, in a somewhat difficult environment and a lot of pri- the investors, no. the LPs in the private equity firms. Remember, it's been a long time since we had real club deals, three or four of them yeah. writing these big checks. They don't like that. No. The LPs, by the way, have investments in different ones, so they end up with more exposure to the one name than either of the than anybody else. They're not particularly fond of that. So no. that's a that's a tough one to think about pulling off. Not impossible, I guess, from the math perspective, if you did raise the equity, but tough. Tough. I the like they'll be more or less. Yeah, I was going to say, it didn't take long for people to start bringing up TXU. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jeffries yeah. comes out. Here's a piece I like the headline. Why we're not buying the prospects of a buyout, deal size, structural headwinds. Yeah. Uh, you know, I used to be, I used to like writing when I felt that they were going to get a takeover bid. They got a takeover bid, just exit stage right. Uh, 
look it right in. Yeah. No, actually don't, unless you've got X-ray glasses. Suboptimal to use a phrase. That, challenging. That's yes, my new cha- one. Oh, it's challenging. Yeah, I heard that one this morning on Sullivan Show. Challenging. I was going to include that with ill-advised and suboptimal. Now I'm using challenge. That's a challenge deal, David. Yeah, David, David, you can't load up any... Don't you think that Macy's right now wants to go private I would to get think, away from the glare? I would think that that would right? be helpful, but it's... Right. How you, you can't, in, a, in this kind of an environment for retail, to hobble yourself with debt while you're trying to fight a war? No. That, or on a you know what? Or it's a two-front war or whatever you want to... Reuse the great word, and it could be because he's read a lot of Stephen King like I have. David, hobbling, misery. Yes. Ooh. One oh. of James Conn's finest, oh, by the way. Uh, Kathy Bates, of course. Was she finest? Yeah, she won the Oscar. Um, we got to keep our eye on Dealbook because uh, Sorkin's got an all-star lineup today, and right now it's Dennis Mullenberg of Boeing. Uh, take a quick listen. And you made a decision uh, where you told him that you didn't want to take a bonus for this year, and I want to talk about that, but tell us, yeah. tell us about what happened on Saturday morning. Well, Andrew, thanks. Thanks for the chance to join you this morning. Um, first of all, I have just a, a ton of respect for Dave and, uh, and I appreciated the comments he made uh, uh, earlier this week. Uh, Saturday morning's conversation really came out of uh, my uh, discussion with the uh, families of the victims earlier in the week. Between the two hearings on uh, Tuesday evening, I, uh, I spent a few hours with the, uh, with the families. And uh, I had the chance to listen to their personal stories and... Uh, heard their sorrow, their grief, and, uh, you know, as a, as a father and husband myself, you know, I was, I was heartbroken over that. And, uh, you know, we take a lot of pride at Boeing in the, in the safety of the products we build, and, you know, people count on us for safe travel. And those stories just had a huge impact on me and, and caused me to think about, you know, what, what could we do as a company? What else could we do to help these families? And also for me just to step up with a sense of responsibility as a leader of this company, uh, I felt it was important for me to, to forego uh, those bonuses and uh, you know, s- send a message of responsibility and also just begin to think about how we can help with the healing for these families. So I called Dave Saturday morning and conveyed my uh, request to do that. And uh, uh, Dave convened the board and there was a good discussion around that. Uh, but again, that all ties back to our mission as a company and the importance of the work we do. Do you think you didn't appreciate the victims before this, though. I mean, and I ask it because you did get to see them in person. Yeah. But there's been so much criticism and critique of the company uh, throughout this whole process yeah. that it hadn't been as human. And I wonder whether you feel now that you should have gone and visited with those victims earlier. Yeah. Andrew, I, I, I think about that every day. And uh, I, I wish I had gone to visit them earlier. You know, we've been focused ever since the accidents on, on understanding what happened, doing everything we can to, to fix the airplane, to improve the MAX. We've been focused on uh, working to make it the safest airplane ever to fly. Um, but the personal element of this and the impact it's had on families, you know, it's reminded me of, of uh, the importance of the work we do. And we talk a lot about, at Boeing about the fact that lives depend on what we do, literally. And that should demand this incredible sense of excellence in how we do it. But until it's personal... Until you really talk with the families and really hear those personal stories, uh, there's nothing else like that. And, and that's going to stick with me forever. It's, it's now, you know, it's part of me. And it's, it's part of the legacy of our company. And uh, we're going to learn from it. And it's going to make us better as a company. So, but as a leader, so how, how it was much, important to hear that. How much money are you giving up? Oh, 
tens of millions of dollars, like ultimately by the by the time the numbers are calculated. To me, it's not it's not so much about the the dollars, the the, the dollar figures themselves. It's more about a sense of responsibility here and focusing on what's important and conveying to our team, uh, to all of our customers, uh, to the families that. To me, it's, it's not about the money. It's about the importance of what we do and our commitment to safety as a company. This all needs to tie back to a culture of safety. I That's what some, makes our company I, I saw some voices out there after you announced this say, you know what, he should have taken the bonuses and given them to a victim's fund. Yeah, well, part, part of my plan, and I haven't been public about this, but part of my plan is to contribute uh, significant amounts of that to charity. And uh, uh, that'll include substantial amounts going to the, the funds that we've set up for the victims' families. That's a, a personal decision for me, but uh, something I intend to do. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a separate related question. There's been a big debate uh, in the airline world about, and, and at the company from what I understand, about whether there should be clawbacks in terms of compensation, both for senior executives and other people even working on the line that might have been related uh, to this incident and potentially future incidents. What's your take on the idea of clawbacks? Well, I think you heard uh, Dave uh, gave some good comments on that yesterday. And certainly our board is going to take a look at, uh, you know, every dimension of our processes and policies related to safety. And uh, clawback provisions, uh, I'm sure, will be part of that discussion. Uh, that's not really where my focus but what is. Do you th- I mean, what do you think? Do you, you, you support the idea of clawbacks? I mean, if, if there's a problem with the company, do you think there should be clawbacks on compensation? Uh, at, when I say problems, at this scale, I mean... In a very interesting way, Boeing is the ultimate trust company, right? Because when you get on that plane, you're in the air. I I think it's important to differentiate between responsibility and and culpability. First of all, that's an important difference. Uh, But taking a look at clawback provisions, taking a look at every one of our policies and processes and how they go back and reinforce our safety culture, I fully support that. Our our company works. Our business model works because we build, design, support safe airplanes. We provide safe travel for the public. And everything we do should reinforce that objective. Okay, so here's what we got. Boeing's Dennis Mullenberg with our Andrew Ross Sorkin at Deal Book. Uh, coming on the heels of David Calhoun's comments yesterday morning, Jim. I want to know, uh, I feel, I think it's admirable that Dennis said that he'll change his compensation. What I don't like is, let's look, let's parse what he said in front of Congress. It was basically the usual if the board decides. That was wrong. It was just wrong to say, and because it was not up to the board to decide he wasn't going to take the money. So I find it somewhat, let's call it quizzical, that he wakes up Saturday and says, you know what, I'm going to give the money back. I think what he did was realize that he said the wrong thing. And I think a lot of people at Boeing thought he said the wrong thing. And he didn't want to lose Boeing, okay? He did not want to lose Boeing. And I think he was in danger of actually losing Boeing. What does that mean? I think the troops are really, everyone's... Oh, you mean losing the support of the, yeah. of the I mean, let's, let's consider Boeing a great American company, maybe the best ever. There is a so-called locker room at Boeing, and uh, this was not, that was an ill-advised uh, choice. And I don't think that he woke up and said, you know what, I did the wrong thing. I think he listened to other people, which is good, and realized that he said the wrong thing. But you know, these companies where they say, the CEO says, listen, it's up, up to the board. Now, David, I totally agree when it comes to Xerox. Then it's up to the board of, of you at Packard. But it's not up to the board for you to forgo your pay cut. It's up to you. And I think, it, yes, Dave, it, it, it's absolutely impossible that Dennis's conscience got to him. I think others got to him. Hmm. Well, we're going to keep our uh, ears, eyes peeled for headlines about return to service uh, as he talks more yes. about uh, the MAX. Ta- I mean, Mullenberg's job 
obviously appears safe, but yes. CNBC has some fresh figures on CEO departures are on pace for a record year. Uh, McDonald's, SAP, ServiceNow, Nike, Under Armour in just the past few weeks. Well, a lot of you know, those are all really interesting because at Nike, I feel, was not the accounting irregularities because I feel that that could turn out to be more benign. But that's Kevin Plank telling me, listen, point blank, well, I'm a founder. I need to have something bigger going. Interesting, ServiceNow, by the way, was Sloopman. And then to Donahoe, Donahoe offered the Nike job. So you've got two kinds of, of CEOs leaving. You've got CEOs leaving for a better job, bigger job. And then you have some um, ethical issues. And the ethical issues are the ones I want to focus on because those didn't used to exist. Yeah. Some, some studies have, are saying that they're leaving more often for ethical reasons than yes. for financial performance. And, Jim- and Dion, let's just make a point again. Family health, because I've checked because a lot of people hear health or spend more time with your family. Some people really like Charlie Scharf when he resigned. He spent more time with his family. It's real. Speaking of uh, Dion Weisler, who is going to be the former CEO of HP, we're taking a look at the stock. It's off the highs of the morning after we first told people that uh, it's happening. Uh, uh, Xerox has made an unsolicited offer, a so-called bear hug, to acquire the company. Price, all I'm told, is a significant or real premium to where HP stock was yesterday. They're talking about at least $2 billion in synergies. The fact that they believe, even with incurring the debt it would take to buy the far larger HP, the combined company would still be investment grade. Uh, It is a cash and stock offer. Not clear exactly, based on the conversations I've been able to have, exactly what the composition would be. But obviously, it's not all going to be equity, uh, cash, and therefore not all debt. Uh, uh, Xerox's stock price has performed very well over the last year, up some 84%. And most importantly, they have $2.3 billion coming in from the end of their long, long joint venture with Fujifilm, which also frees them up to pursue M&A. In fact, yesterday, speaking to uh, CEO John Vizentine, he indicated a willingness to go on the attack. Well, he's it's unclear the that they already. go on such an attack so quickly. Interesting to see Xerox's stock up as well. Right, that is I don't know if that's people saying, well, maybe this ends up going the other way, or whether they're simply embracing the idea of the union of these two companies, who it's not foreign to. Right. The uh, idea look, of getting I, together in, in this industry, Jim, has been one that's been around for a while. In fact, yesterday you were typing that very thing when I was talking about well, look, Xerox I, going on the attack. I am not saying that Laura shouldn't do it, the new H, HP Inc. CEO. I'm not saying shouldn't do it because I can tell you that they could immediately get the weakness was printing. By the way, some people were saying this morning the weakness of personal computers. That's dead wrong. And go look at AMD and Intel. Personal computers are very strong. Uh, and, and I do believe in 3D. I understand it's absolutely uh, it's it's happening slower, but I love the products they're doing. My issue is, would this allow them to kind of make it so that printing is a much smaller part and inks much more? It would give them co- cover. Should he do it? I mean, that's different from will he do it? Right. Should he do it? The answer is yes. Will he do it? The answer is, geez, I don't know. Well, well, you think he wants to kick what? the tires? At this point, HP's only comment to us is we don't comment on rumors and speculation. It's not rumors or speculation, either one of those. They have received if they, that if letter. If they don't but do it, the stock's any, too high. I anything to tell in terms of their actual response or what it's going to be. Okay. Um, Did you look point. at the portfolio? Point out, by the way, Xerox kept their distribution deal with Fuji very importantly as well. So they it need really that. went well for them in terms of exiting the joint venture, getting the money, getting rid of the, of the right. lockup but keeping the distribution. Well, you look, it's enterprise versus personal. I like the enterprise business. Yeah. And HP would be able to be a little bit more diversified toward enterprise, which is good. Uh, uh, real quick, guys, just to mention it, because it's down 18%, sort of right. a name that I follow, uh, Altice USA yeah, what the hell's hammered going on after. 
<laughs> no, I've been working on it. I'm trying to figure out, you know, these are always opaque. I know. They lost, listen, they lost uh, 32,000 residential video subs, which was a little more than people anticipated. They want you focused, as all these companies do on broadband, right. which you should be. Uh, average revenue per user there was up 9.2%, but that was a deceleration. Okay. And the stock had been up an awful lot this year. It's been one of the great, big, been one, highest performers. Yeah. So I guess the numbers, Jim, just not quite coming in where uh, at least the investor base had hoped I was would. surprised that, it, that there's some of these, oh, Comcast lost some subs with broadband. Yeah. you got to make it up with broadband. Everybody's losing subs. Their right. base is shrinking, though, at a 2.3% annual rate, which is still below the right. 3.5% that everybody, that's generally being So it's price for perfection. Maybe that was it. I, people like that. I think Comcast, would, of course, are parent. Uh, Sky hasn't even kicked in yet. The stock has been terrific. And remember, tomorrow's Disney, of which uh, so er, so awaited. Disney Plus. Disney Plus yeah. has got to. It's on the way. Got to turn it on. Guys, keep your eye on Uber. Trying to hold twenty six forty now. A second day of uh, record lows. Let's get to the bond pits as well. And Rick Santelli, Rick. Well, you know, this morning's 8.30 Eastern number really did change the look of treasuries. You know, we had productivity at its lowest level since the end of December 1st, negative number since the end of December. Now, granted, it is a preliminary number. And also, I caution, it's kind of a strange comp. Definitely the first negative number since Dece of 2015. But down three-tenths is a big difference uh, in terms of size versus its comp of down three point five, which was the number in December of 2015. Let's look at some one-week charts. If you look at a one-week of two-year, you know, we lost the mid-160s. That's where the resistance is. You see it on the left on that number. On 10s, mid-180s, we turned it down. Just a whiff of flattening going on, but something interesting. Just between twos and fives, we're now seeing flattening. So we're seeing all the spaces of the term structure open up a little bit on the curve. That isn't a bad thing. 30-year bonds lost the mid-230s, but they're holding in all right. You know, we're giving back three to five basis points along the curve. Boons? Well, this July 1st chart, I've used it a lot, but even at minus 33, which is off its best at minus 31, you can totally see how things have changed. As a matter of fact, it might be like turning a barge in a small lagoon, but I'm telling you, interest rates are doing something different because policy perceptions are changing, and I can't stress how big that is over a larger time frame. Uh, I guess the poster child for that might be a May 1st chart of 10-year Japanese government bonds. Now, certainly there at minus 08, which isn't a positive number, but they are at the smallest negatives or at the highest yields in over five months since the end of May on a closing basis. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, we'll see in a little while. Uh, coming up this morning, the first rule is you don't talk about it, but we might anyway. Award-winning actor, director, early Uber investor Edward Norton is with us at Post 9 talking about the business of film, streaming, his investment outlook, and of course, Fight Club. Dow down 25. Squawk in the streets back after this. No relief for Uber today. Down another five and a quarter percent. A new record low off more than $20 from its all-time high of 47 and change. We're going to watch that. We'll get stopped trading with Jim in a minute. Dow down 18. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. One of the most bankable people in cybersecurity is a guy named Udi Makati. He's from Israel, and he runs a company called CyberArk. And they put together a number today and a guide up that was so sensational. It made me think, wait a second, maybe some of these fast-growing companies in cybersecurity or cloud web 
are uh, coming back. This is the keys to the kingdom. Basically, if, uh, when, uh, let's say, Jamie Dimon, if he were to ever leave, if somebody might burrow in using Jamie Dimon's ID and just have unlock everything, <clears throat> that's not going to happen. J.P. Morgan's got the best cybersecurity. But this shows you what happens if you deliver a number and you're a high-growth company with no flies on it. And uh, my salute to uh, Udi because, boy, he delivered the best of the cybersecurity. It, it does feel like the worries about enterprise software are X. Cyber, right? Security. That is uh, so right. Yeah. I mean, I had FireEye last night, and they're just saying, listen, there's no let up. No let up with China and Russia. China and Russia, David, I'm raising per share, raising uh, estimates because of China and Russia. Our pals. Yeah, they're Our at trading it. partners. They're always at it. And yeah. Iran, too. Don't forget them. And North when Korea. It comes to cyber and North Korea. It's a business for them. It's like a line item. Hey, how much did you steal from the U.S. this month? Thanks for <laughs> nothing. It's true. What's, what's tonight on that? I, I got Larry Merlot. And he's the man of the hour because he may be a person who's defeated the Death Star. That's a term I got from David, by the way, and I've stolen it. Well, there's John Malone. Yes, John Malone. Well, you know, I guess I could credit him. If he gives me credit for Fang, I'll give him credit for Fang. Anyway, I think Larry is dynamite. Remember, he pulled tobacco. Never forget that. Early on. Tobacco, early on. Killed his earnings because this man does not care about earnings as much as he cares about health. He's not a dollar sign represented by a man like I am. He's a man of great conscience. Wow. (laughs) You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.